7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. In the radio studios of America, the technicians, the entertainers, the commentators, the administrative personnel daily unite their efforts in the creation of programs to please and entertain the vast radio public. You pick up on this jazz, it's crazy music, you man. Did you uh, dig the rebound? Clear back, get a clear out sound. Listen, Sonny, you don't own that song. It's a published tune. Anyone can record it. You turned it down. You said you didn't like it. We simply didn't want to record it with an unknown. What about my arrangement? Don't see your lawyer. You can't copyright an arrangement. You're a thieving rat. Don't sonny me, you rock. Throw back on your rock, snake. Find out my reasons on rock and roll music and why I preach against it, and I believe with all of my heart that it is a contributing factor to our juvenile delinquency of today. You remember the papers that say rock and roll was a big influence on juvenile delinquency? I 100% believe. Why I believe that is because I know how it feels when you sing it. I know what it does to you. And I, I know uh, the evil feeling that you feel when you sing it. I know the, the, the lost position that you get into is the beat. Well, uh, if you talk to the average teenager of today and you ask them what it is about rock and roll music that they like, and they'll, the first thing they'll say is the beat, the beat, the beat. Rock and roll has got to go. <laughs> Welcome to the Screwed, Blued, and Tattooed Radio Show. This is your host, Johnny Daggers, speaking to you after a five-year hiatus. Joining me today is multifaceted musician, producer, and all-around artist, a Jill of all trades, and not to be confused with the Twin Peaks character, Miss Laura, Laura Palmer. And welcome to the show. Hi, how are you doing? I am doing fantastic. How about yourself? I am doing wonderful. Great. It's a pleasure to have you here today. Uh, now, for the listeners out there, Laura has her fingers in so many different outlets. <laughs> Ow! <laughs> yes, she is just that damn electric. You might be best known as the lead vocalist and bassist for rockabilly band Screaming Rebel Angels, but before we get into that... I'd like to talk to you about some of the other projects that you were involved with. Okay, so let's start it off with your rockabilly accessory company, Dollsville NYC. Do you still do that, Laura? Um, I do it very limited um, editions of it. I do special orders here and there, but I have, I am just so busy with everything else that I'm doing that I just I I can't. Well, I feel you there. <laughs> I have it. I've had like I I just slowly like. I stopped doing like kind of the the shows with it where you go out and sell it. Then I stopped doing wholesale. And then I closed down my internet shop. And then I just had the Etsy. And now I've been on uh, vacation mode for Etsy right. for about like six months now. You know, the conventions are really a pain in the ass. Um, 
or are. a filmmaker and author. And I used to do the convention circuit for years and it just got to be such a pain. Plus, I always preferred to be the one drinking and socializing instead of sitting in a booth selling things. Yeah, you know, it takes it takes so much work to do that. And you have to be really dedicated and you have to like really love it. And, you know, it just came to a point where it's like there's things that I love more than this. So I don't want to invest all the time into it when I could be like making music or rock and roll or, you know, it's very stressful too. Yes, it is. And well, the one thing about the shop, even though you don't do it anymore, I was pleased to see that a lot of the bows and the bells that you were creating uh, had a straight horror element to it. You had, you know, horror images and themes of the monster and bride and skeletons and coffins. So I appreciate yeah. that as a horror filmmaker. Uh, please tell us a little bit about the significance that horror films have played in your life and uh, in what you do today. Oh, absolutely. Um, I, I mean, how can you not just be influenced by horror? It's just so, it's so pervasive and it's such a tasty part of pop culture that we live in. I think with horror and at least like kind of like in our time frame and our genre of music and kind of subculture, um, the horror, the monsters kind of become like our mythology. Like, you know, just go back through time and time again. You have, like, everything, either all the myths of, like, either the gods or whatever. And we have our monsters. We do. <laughs> yeah. Do you have a particular genre within the horror element? The subgenre, I should say? Like, for myself, I love the early German expressionist uh, noir and then neo-type yeah. horror films. Like Fritz Lang and... Yes, most certainly. Absolutely. Um, I think... When I first started really getting into horror, it was more of the um, the seventies Italian horror. Okay, like so a Fulci lot of and Fulci or Argento. Yeah, I mean, how can you like? Suspiria is one of like, the fight most with the shark. Come yeah. on, <laughs> and then it's just just so like the Argento movies are just so just beautiful. It really, you know, I have no idea what's going on in any of them, but like as soon as you have like those underwater rooms and just the color and the palettes and um, yeah, I really like into the 70s horror. Although as I've gotten like a little bit older, like I have to be honest, I I, I just, I, I can't with a lot of like the ultra violence anymore right. and like, like kind of like torture porn, I like to call it. And I kind of like more of like a psychological horrors. So it is going back to like kind of that noir and just really like kind of the creepy kind of aspects of it. I feel you. Yeah, I'm the exact same way. In fact, my most recent film that I did that's releasing this year is a 1920s inspired silent thriller. And for me, we can create things in our minds. Our minds are so powerful that we can create uh Images of horror are so much greater by using the psychological tactic than just being blatant with the blood and the guts and the gore. So that's not really my bag either. Oh, absolutely. Cool. Yeah. So uh, outside of the band and horror, before we get into the band, uh, you had mentioned about you don't really do uh, the Dollsville anymore for the time. Let's talk about the festival that you used to do. Do you still do the uh, Psychobilly Luau, or have you put that on hold as well? I have put I have put that one on hold as well. Um, I had I think the last time I did it was actually 2014, if you can believe that. Like I I don't even know how it's been that long. Right. Um, 
it, it was really great. But I think um, kind of the eight years that I was doing it, it was such a kind of a nice snapshot of all the bands that were in the Northeast and New York. And we had so many great rockabilly bands, I mean, psychobilly bands come in from like Europe and just all over the country. And, um, you know, I, th- I think um, New York, it's really hard for live music right now. And it's really, really hard for independent promoters and smaller bands because it's just a town that's really expensive. Do you think it's too saturated as well? No, I I don't think it has to do so much with the saturation. I think it has to deal with the fact that there's not a lot of independent venues that are left. So it's really hard to be able to find a venue of that capacity and kind of just make everything work out financially to be able to have the bands that you want to have come in, have enough people, being able to afford the place. Because, I mean, rents just skyrocket in um, here. So, like, all the smaller venues that we used to use, too, they're just, like, all closed. They just, like, slowly close and close and close. Or they shift, um, like, the Bell House doesn't really do live music anymore. They do mostly comedy or trivia nights or 80s DJ parties. Right. You know, it's it, it's crazy. Well, the last festival that you held, I mean, it had an amazing lineup. The Matadors, the Turbo ACs, Lonely Teardrops, Jason and the Hellhounds, and of course, the Screaming Rebel Angels. Yeah. Yeah. And we had the Gutter Demons. We had Bloodshot Bill. Oh, that's we right. Had, yeah. Yeah. It was like three different stages. It was, I mean, it was great. It was, it was really, it was wonderful. It was fun. Um, um, and I was really, the interesting thing about that year is I wasn't going to do the Luau that year because what I try to do with each of them is try to bring in a band that hasn't played New York in either Mm -hmm. like 10 years or it's the first time that they've played. And the bands that I had wanted to bring over from uh, Europe, I just, I couldn't make it work. There was no way I could figure out how to make it work with getting like their airfare and stuff. And then wonderfully, like all these Canadian bands were like, hey, by the way, we can tour the U.S. again. <laughs> like the Gutter Demons. <laughs> and I was like, oh my God, this is great. So they like, they saved the Gutter Demons and the Matadors like saved the Luau for like one more year. Right. And that's so, awesome. Yeah, that was like quite a lineup. Well, maybe in the future things will open up where it'll lend itself to to bring it back. Um, it was definitely a festival that I never got to see, unfortunately. Uh, I'm currently located in Baltimore, but I would follow the posts and uh, the shows and uh, wished I would have been able to attend a few. I'm sure that it was great networking for you as well as a musician to meet up with some of the bands that you may not have met before. And uh, I don't know, it just it sounded like a great time. Oh, absolutely. It was it was a really special time and it was it was so much fun. And then all of the bands like just from around the U.S., like we all kind of like came together and they're still, they're like family to me. Like right. I'm actually, I'm getting on a plane tomorrow. I am have a show tonight. I'm getting on a plane tomorrow and I'm heading out to California to do four shows. And that's organized by Tony from the Rockets. Oh, okay. So nice. the Rockets is one of the Luau bands and like one of the old Rebel Angel Productions mm-hmm. bands. So we've just like made this network of just like bands that are family that we may not still be doing like the shows that we do, but we're still like torn around the world. <laughs> like the really. camaraderie that you build is really what it's all about. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I feel like I would not be able to do the things that I do with the band had it not been for just the other bands that I've helped out helping us out. Right. So, and it's so cool. It's such a great, cause you know, it's, it's a different kind of currency that we have. And it's like a currency of just like, kind of like friendship and helping out people um, that you want to help out. 
Oh, yeah. That's what it should be about. I mean, there's, you know, there's two sides. You have the bands, because I spent many of years in bands, and and it was all about the camaraderie for the most of us, but then you had a lot of other bands that were in it just to promote themselves and turn their nose up. So when you get a group of people, a collective group of people that are really into building that bond and helping one another out, that's what, that's what it's all about. Yeah, that's... That's what I try to tell people too. A lot of uh, people, when they ask me like, oh, well, how do you book these tours? How do you do all this stuff? And it's like, it's really about building good relationships with people and just being a good person and being a cool person and just helping when you can help. And, um, you know, and, and that, that's how you got to do it, especially in a scene like ours that's kind of like so kind of small. Right. Like, <laughs> Like a yeah, subculture of a subculture. <laughs> yeah, you don't want to burn any bridges because you don't know when that bridge is going to come in handy again. And, uh, you know, it's just better for the camaraderie and, the, and for the scene, too, for the music, everybody helping one another. Like, I look at it this way as a filmmaker's perspective. If another filmmaker out is out there and they make a film, for instance, there's a gentleman out in Los Angeles called Michael Rodriguez. Every time I watch one of his films... He makes me raise the bar as far as what I do next. And I think that's the great thing. It's not animosity towards somebody that's doing better. Uh, you appreciate that. And it's a friendly competition where it's like, man, they just did a really good album. Now, like, I want yeah. to them that good or go above and beyond that. And everybody's pushing each other. Absolutely. Way, so. Yeah, it's so it's so good when you have that and you can just kind of just like you feed off of the energy of the scene. And I think that's how like scenes like really are able to be so definable and put things out, you know, because it, it is that energy, that camaraderie, that like helping one another out and pushing people along. Most certainly. Well, yeah. we're going to go into our first break and we are going to do so by playing a track off of the Screaming Rebel Angels release, the 2014 release, Hitchhike. Uh, then when we come back, we'll talk to you a little bit more about the band and all of the great things that you've been working on. Awesome. And ladies and gentlemen, Let's, Let's sizzle! sizzle. 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 There's a mutton pan, grease it up, all right here. The click, 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 stay hot all night. Let's go! Yeah. And the time's low. Jet through the dirty broken door.
Right up real nice Sizzle So it's jumping on wire Sizzle It's turning up to high Sizzle Stay hot on now Cause you know what I'm cooking I cook it right show this is your host johnny daggers and joining me today is miss laura palmer hello hello welcome yeah. back laura cook on both sides <laughs> okay. <laughs> at the start of the break all you listeners out there in radio land heard sizzle a track off of hitchhike an album which received rave reviews and of course how could it not uh in fact uh, the band has become quite revered in the scene uh, you were recently interviewed in Vintage Rock Magazine, uh, which I'm sure was quite exciting for you. And uh, I see that when the magazine was published, uh, they did a feature with the 10 Killer Retro Acts of 2018. Did your interview coincide with that piece or was it completely separate? We actually, we, we You're were not exactly on... newcomers. No, we are on, um, and the, some of those those bands weren't either. But we were the on the radar, okay. so we were we were in our own category. Nice, mm-hmm. which is usually how it is. <laughs> yeah, most certainly. Well, the cover featured uh, Little Richard, Jerry Lee Lewis, Screaming Jay Hawkins. How exciting was that for you when you first saw the issue to see some of? And I can only assume, um, but I would imagine these were some of your idols. So to be in a magazine with, with these legendary greats had to have been uh, 
so exciting for you. Oh, yeah, it was perfect, and especially to see Little Richard on the cover. Yes. Because we are working on a new record, and the first single, well, actually, I'm going to be telling you this for the first time. You guys are the first people that are about to hear this. Ladies and gentlemen, exclusive breaking news. Do, 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 breaking news. <laughs> <laughs> so the first single that we're going to be putting out is a Little Richard tune. It's one that we do in almost every set. Everybody loves it. And we we finally, you know, I didn't want to do a bunch of covers on the record, but I think it's one of those ones that people just really, really love. And so we wow. will be uh, we'll be releasing that um, around Halloween. Nice. So we have a lot of special things in the works for that. Which do you want to tell cool. our listeners what the song is, or you want to keep that a secret? Mm, maybe I'll keep it a secret. You can keep that a secret. <laughs> be a <laughs> good Halloween be a surprise. Cover. <laughs> what? It'd be a good Halloween surprise. Halloween surprise. That's right. But yeah, it was so. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No, you go. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Yeah, it was. Um, it was such a great um, to be in that magazine too because it came out in the UK. It's based in there, and we have a tour. So I'm leaving for California tomorrow, and then when I come back next week, I'm home for a day, and then we hop on a plane again, and we're going to be in the UK. Yes. So, yeah, I'm like, oh, that's good timing. It is good timing. Now, speaking of idols. Who were some of the first musicians that really made you fall in love with rockabilly music? And at what age did that happen? Oh, you know, I think it's, you know, I always, I keep saying rockabilly, rockabilly. um, But I have a much uh, larger genre of kind of music that kind of influences me and um, that I pull from. I like that. Yeah, um, and it's kind of, I don't know if it's a little bit of lazy on my part or just I'm just used to always saying rockabilly. Um, But uh, some of definitely the 50s R&B artists, um, uh, 60s soul artists, Mm -hmm. and then um, have really influenced me. Um, I would say, or even before that too, there's just some voices um, in records that just kind of, um, you know, just caught my attention. It was like, oh, it just like moves something in your soul. One of my favorite records is um, Ella Fitzgerald and Count Basie. Very nice. And it's off of Verve Records. And I'm not sure if you've ever heard yes, that one, but course. it is. Oh, it's, yes. It's, it's, your tastes sound right up my alley. <laughs> awesome. It's like one of the best records ever made. And just like the quality of her voice and how that gets in there. And I try to, you know, fill it up a little, little bit. Um, and also, uh, Nina Simone sings the blues oh, is another yes. one of my favorite <laughs> records, and oh, it's just it's amazing. That is great. Um, Billy Holiday is another favorite of mine. Yeah, yeah. Um, but then also um, Etta James and Aretha yes. Franklin and Irma Thomas and Laverne Baker, and you know, there's so many great rhythm and blues artists. Um, and especially African-American artists, um, especially women, um, just, um, you know, I'm so thankful there's all these like recordings and it's just um, just really powerful music. Yeah, you know, I I feel like there's probably a good bit of punk influence in there too. Yeah, oh, and my influence? Yes. Oh, yes, definitely, sorry, I was like, just, I was daydreaming about R&B. Yes, no, no, that's why, you know, it's funny, I often joke because it seems as though Rockabilly music is kind of the retirement home for like the aging punk rockers, <laughs> <laughs> such as myself. Because, such as it is. <laughs> you know, growing up, I don't know. I was, 
I'm in approaching my mid forties now. So, uh, you know, growing up being born in the mid seventies, uh, the stray cats hit right when I was at a very young age, five or six. And my, my father had the built for speed album and that was my first taste of rockabilly, but he also listened to the clash and the Ramones and the New York. Mm -hmm. And so growing up, it was this, you know, this great mixture of, you know, rockabilly music and, and punk rock music. And then, that made me want to delve back and, and get into the blues. And then from there, that led into the early jazz because I just wanted to keep going back and find out if I liked a band, I wanted to know who influenced them and seek them out. Oh. And then it just kept leading backwards. Yeah, absolutely. It's always, it's the best feeling when you discover a band. Like, yes. <laughs> it's, it's like, I re like, and you kind of remember the day. Like, I remember when I discovered the Sonics. Oh, okay. Yes. Great band. And you know, like when a, like, and you're just like, what is this? And you kind of look around and you're like, what's, what's going on? <laughs> Even though, like, especially when you're like a, like a teenager and you're like, does everybody know about this? <laughs> Most certainly. And I'm still trying to unearth a lot of the things that I may have never heard before, because I think nowadays, at least in popular culture, the music is just God awful. It's stagnant. I mean, the really good stuff you have to dig deep for, and some of it's digging back finding other great artists from the 20s or 30s that that yes. have me for all these years yeah absolutely new again even though it's so old it's actually new it is it is what's that joke it's like the but i forget who they say who's the butt of the joke but they're like discoverers led zeppelin <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but it's cool that is right i mean we shouldn't like really make fun of people for that because everybody it's great to discover new music no matter if it's like new to you or just new to the whole world right um, there's something wonderful about it. But um, going back to like the other things that influenced me, I went to my first like fire hall, hardcore punk rock show when I was about 12. And I think that just um, changed my life <laughs> from yeah. there. And I think I took a lot of lessons from those like DIY fire hall shows, kind of like into Rebel Angel Productions and doing stuff like the Luau. And um, it, what was really great about that is like you got to see all of your favorite musicians and they were really accessible so you could go up and like buy their cd and just like say hello or you could like you know those giant pylons on the stage where you'd get up and you'd like scream your favorite lyrics into their face you know no exactly so like yeah definitely like that that energy was what i had when i was like a kid um it, it was pretty amazing um so I, there needs to be more all-age shows <laughs> yes yeah, they don't, I mean, it's not really a thing nowadays, but I mean, my very first show ever was at a community center, you know, yeah. DIY, a lot of young punk kids, we just all threw a show together. I think it cost like $50 to rent the community center out for a night. We had an amazing show and, you know, it was, there was nothing better than that. Yeah, it's the best. And you just go in and like, I don't know, like there was, and, um, there's so many great places. It was like, you know, you had fire halls and like community centers or community colleges that you go into, or even like in New York, you know, you had like the Sunday matinees, you have like a CBG, CBGB's, Coney Island High and the wetlands and like, you know, all these things when like you're like a teenager that you got to go to. And I feel bad that the teenagers today don't have that, but they have the internet. So. Right. <laughs> yeah. Right yeah. <laughs> yeah now they have YouTube. <laughs> Yeah, right? Oh, God. Oh, we'd be so much cooler if we, like, grew up with YouTube. <laughs> I don't know about that. Be like, oh, I have a question. Yeah. Um, I, mean, I can just immediately answer it. <laughs> right? Without any interaction whatsoever, you know? Yeah, I don't even I have to leave my house. Just sit here behind the computer. 
That sounds like a dream. (laughs) (laughs) Technology is like my worst nightmare today, I complain. Uh, I was like, if we could just turn the times back another 50 years, I'd be so much happier. Oh, well, then we couldn't do this wonderful Skype interview. That is true. Well, then maybe we would just be doing it in person then. Right. By the way, you know, (laughs) I would just drive up to New York and we would just. Beep, beep, what's going on? Yeah, (laughs) you know, but no, the Internet does have its blessing, uh, you know, but it's also a curse. Um, Now, you were also featured just a few months back. I believe it was May, if I'm not mistaken. You were in Vintage Rock magazine. Um, And you received, and I, I love this. I saw that you received an outstanding review from a writer. It's a uh, it's a Nashville publication. The oh, Blue Suede News. The Blue Suede News. Right. The, the thing I loved about it is the gentleman who wrote the piece had never heard you before. So watching you live for the first time, just you received outstanding reviews, and you probably you know gained a lifelong fan. So that has to make you feel wonderful. Yeah, it's it's great. It's so fun to be able to do what we do and have people dig it, or just like. You know, just it's nice to be able to go on stage and we get I get my release from that. And then to, you know, have other people also enjoy it. It's the best. And it's it's so it's so good. Well, your shows have to be just from listening to the CDs, your shows have to be. I mean, and I've, of course, going back to YouTube, I've obviously caught live performances. They're very energetic. Yeah, I mean. Yeah, I can't stand still. <laughs> no, and you play so many instruments. You're so well-versed. Uh, you know, not only do you do the vocals, but you do bass guitar. You can play regular guitar, mm-hmm. you know, upright bass. I mean, I'm sure there's probably something else that you could play, too, that I, I'm forgetting to mention. Yeah, well, I also play the piano and the violin. Yes. And um, so I was, I did write a song that had the piano for this next record, but I also wrote um, a a nine-piece string orchestration to it and uh, ran out of time for this record, so I'll be on the next one. But um, Have you ever entertained the notion of picking up the sax? Because I feel like I talk about this a lot. My listeners are probably like, here he goes again. (laughs) (laughs) I'm such a huge saxophone. Going back to the blues. I was was just talking about this um, with (laughs) one of my bandmates. I was like, hey, I want to play saxophone because it has a very similar fingering to the flute, and I also play the flute. Ah, okay. So I'm like, oh, I want to play the sax, too. Please, yes. Johnny Daggers <laughs> implores you, Laura. Please pick up the saxophone at some point. I want to play all of the instruments. I've yes. been trying to learn how to play drums, and I am a terrible drummer. But um, <laughs> still working on that one. I don't know what it is Maybe about drums. Up, like, drums are difficult. I mean, I can play piano, I can play bass, but anytime I try to play the drums, I am absolutely terrible. I have like two beats that I can play <laughs> and that's it. It's, it makes me so happy though. Like I can't, like I start playing the drums and I like can't stop smiling and like giggling and it's like, this is the best ever. But you can play literally... like a hip hop kick beat and that's about it. <laughs> <Like>, <laughs> yeah. Drums are fun. It's kind of like the bass. You just get the, to beat the shit out of something. Right. <laughs> I agree. Okay. Well, ladies and gentlemen. Like it you money. <laughs> What's that? Beat it like it owes you money. Exactly. <laughs> Well, ladies and gentlemen, it is time, sadly, for another break. But when we come back, we're going to continue this wonderful conversation for the third part of our show. We're going to discuss the band's current tour a little bit more in depth than what we have. We're going to talk a little bit more about the new album a little bit more. So don't turn that dial, don't walk away, and don't be another Billy. We'll be right back.
Hey, Billy, do you want to come over to my house? Nah, I think I'm going to go play ball with some of the guys. Oh, come on. My parents just got a brand new Zenith 6D312 tube radio. Nah, thanks for the offer anyway. I gotta practice my swing. You want real swing? You gotta check out this radio show that I found. My mother doesn't know that I listen to it. In fact, I'm forbidden until, well, I'm actually, I'm never allowed to listen to it. Aw, uh, why doesn't she want you listening to it? It's called the Screw, Blue, and Tattoo Radio Show. Oh, uh, yeah, it's hosted by some guy named Johnny Daggers. It sounds bad. My mother said that he's a bad influence on me. You're always doing things your mummy tells you not to do. They play all this rock and roll. Rock and roll? Yeah, it's this new music. All the cool kids are listening to it nowadays. Come on. You can play baseball any day. Come over to my house. Let's listen to WSPAT. Nah, thanks anyway, but I don't want to get in trouble. If my mother finds out, I'll, I'll be grounded for a week. Yeah, I'm, I'm just gonna go play ball. Boy, Billy, you just wait. You wait till I tell the rest of the gang. Tell the gang that you're too afraid to listen to the radio. Hey, guys! Hey, Billy's too afraid to listen to the radio. He's afraid he's gonna get into trouble. Listen, parents. If you don't want your child to end up an outcast like Billy, then let them listen to the screwed, blued, and tattooed radio show. It'll save your child years of therapy, which you'll have to pay for. So remember, don't turn that dial. The future of America is depending on you.
waves and yet creep around. You listen to that chunk, gallows and shout. Johnny Daggers, Johnny Daggers, Johnny Daggers, gonna drop your ears now. Johnny Daggers, Johnny Daggers, you're gonna make that sound all creepy Welcome back to the Screwed, Blued, and Tattooed Radio Show. This is your host, Johnny Daggers, and our guest, your entertainment and afternoon delight, is Miss Laura Palmer, vocalist, bassist, guitarist of New York City Screaming Rebel Angels. Ow! Hi! Good to be back. So, during the break, we aired Savage, which was another track off of the debut full-length, Hitchhike. Uh, now you're about ready to release your new album, which you've talked briefly about. It's called Wrapped in Plastic. So tell us a little bit about that. Oh, um, the title of the record is Heel Grinder. Oh, okay. Yes. Why did I think that it was Wrapped in Plastic? Well, it was going to be my record label. Oh, okay. Which I think I, I might or might not do. I'm not sure. <laughs> I think I gave you like their early PR. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> I, and I could, I could have misread too because I was going to ask. No, 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 that's right. I'm just, I need to update my links. <laughs> I was like, now Wrapped in Plastic, is that another? Uh, yes. So I, with your name, Laura Palmer. I'm like, is that a, another by any chance Twin Peaks reference? You know? Yeah. Like the funny thing is, I'm not even a big Twin Peaks fan. <laughs> I keep like joking. I'm like, I wish my name was Dana Scully. <laughs> Do you get that a lot? Do you get people asking you if your name is derived from the show? Uh oh yeah. I mean, how could you not? It's such right. a. It's good if your name's going to be Lords. You know, Palmer's a great last name for it. <laughs> right. Right. But I didn't use it because, I mean, the health, like, you Google Laura Palmer, and I'm not going to be, like, anywhere near the top of any of the results. Right. <laughs> exactly. Now, during the break, a lot of the listeners, obviously, they weren't privy to hear what we were talking about during the commercial break. Uh, but we were talking about uh, self-releasing, independent distribution from artists, and you had just mentioned the record label that you were thinking you may or may not do. Uh, so let's just talk about the, the new release and then the possibilities of, you know, a record label. Yes. So um, I'm. it's been a while since our last release. and um, Four years, right? Yeah, okay. it's, it's crazy. It's, you know, it took a lot of, of time, um, you know, because the biggest, like, kind of um, hurdle that we've been up is having a steady lineup. Um, of drummers like our there's something about our band <laughs> but all of my drummers <laughs> all of my drummers seem to get their ladies pregnant and then leave <laughs> oh god you know what i, 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 I really hope that, of them. 
I hope that my old bass player, or I'm sorry, I hope my old drummer is not listening because we're still friends and I love him. But <laughs> drummers have always been the biggest pain in the ass in every band that I've ever been. What is it with you drummers? I mean, think of the nature of drumming. It's really, it's just like bashing shit over and over again. <laughs> yes. I don't but know what it is. And bass, they've all, we, they've, go ahead. They've all been wonderful, lovely people. But they, you know, um, are not as available as needed. So, you know, which as as it is, I mean, your kids should be your priority. Um, so it's just like it was like for years, like we had a hitchhike that went out. Um, and then our drummer moved to Philly. Um, this is a better place to raise his daughter. Um, and then it was just like four years of just having fill in drummers, getting another drummer getting them all up to speed and then, you know, something else would happen. And then it was just literally four years of like just teaching people the same set over right. and over again. And it is crazy. It's a little disheartening too, because you want to be doing as an artist, you want to be doing like new material and you want to be creating things. Right. Um, and especially when you're someone that like makes some um, original music. So, um, but one of the fun things really in that time too is kind of like switching over to upright bass too because bass player is also difficult mm, yes <laughs> just having a band in general <laughs> is really a pain in the ass yes it's a lot of work like you have to love it because you know especially if you have a band that's been over like i'm gonna just give a little round of applause to every band that has lasted more than six months exactly right <laughs> so um so basically then we found Phil and Phil was a, a great drummer and we went on tours and it was great. Um, and then as soon as, and then, uh, his wife was pre became pregnant with twins, mm -hmm. which, and she was one of my friends. That's how I met him. So then we lost Phil. <laughs> so to, uh, yeah. And then we had some other drummers that also had, um, some children, but then, um, when he came back and I wanted to make this new record, I was just like, okay, I can't, I can't wait around. So I wound up going to a studio and finding a studio that really kind of, I explained to them what I wanted to do. I'm like, okay, listen, I have these songs. I want to make a record. I'm going to play upright bass on it. I'm going to play rhythm guitar on it. I'm going to play piano on it. Um, I don't know who else is going to record with me on it. Um, besides Brian, mm -hmm. Brian's uh, my lead guitarist. And I'm like, I might do some stuff at home and bring it in. And finally, I found this studio, Studio G, which also happens to be the, probably the best studio in Brooklyn. Well, it is definitely the best studio in Brooklyn. And um, it just it so happened uh, the owner of the studio um, answered my email because I wanted to like walk walk the studio and see what it was like. And he heard our music and he is it was just like such a wonderful, happy, like coincidence. And it was just like the universe saying, you guys should meet. So, um, he understood what I wanted to do. He loved like the energy of the band and he was super like patient and like understanding. It was really kind of like a fatherly figure. And so we went into the studio with him. He found, um, I wound up actually hiring a session drummer to do it who is this just amazing guy who immediately got what I wanted. Like nice. I could be like, this is what I, this is what I'm hearing in my head. You'd be like, okay, done. <laughs> and like wow. nail it in like two takes. Um, but Tony, uh, his team, uh, his name is Tony Maimone. 
And he was one of the members of the Cleveland um, art rock band, uh, Para Ubu. Oh, really? He was also in, yeah. Okay. He was also in uh, They Might Be Giants. No, really? Uh, he oh, plays I love with they Frank might be Black um, a lot. Love Frank um, Black. Bob Mould. Wow. Um, Very yeah. accomplished. Yeah, he's super accomplished. And he's also a musician. And he is just like the, like, he's just amazing. So I had explained to him, too, like, you know, I, I, this is like the record and I want to be able to get out what I hear in my head. And he just gave me like the space to be able to do that. And so, um, probably the best thing that just like also happened with this record is just, I took my time with it too. Like was able to just like kind of sit with it and figure out like, this is what I want it to sound like. This is how I want it to flow. This is like, you know, and then be able to be like, all right, I think I, I want to change that a little bit. So all of my previous recordings, we did analog and just mm -hmm. recorded straight to two inch tape, which nice. is great. But also it's like really limiting. I mean, there's no way that I can like record all the instruments that I play at once, right. like oh, to there. So um, and so there was just so many great things that happened during the making of the record too. So many things that were just kind of like accidents that became like, Oh my God, this is like kind of the sound that we're looking for. Um, or, Oh, we should do something like this. And I'm just, I'm so proud of this record. So I was going to release it in September in time for all these tours, but I'm like, it's too good. <laughs> like I need to like, I need to give it the proper foundation. And so it can go out into the world and have a right. good chance to live. And <laughs> It's like your baby that you want to release it to the world when it's ready yeah. and able to thrive. Now this yeah. kind of segued into uh, actually two more questions that I had for you. The first one is you, you kind of touched upon that because musicians can be a bit difficult um, and you are so multifaceted with multiple instruments have you ever considered, even as even if it's just a side project, even if you keep doing the Screaming Rebel Angels, have you ever thought about just doing a solo release as well? Um, who knows? Maybe. Um, I think um, what I wanted to do with this Screaming Rebel Angels record, and basically after, so in 2014, like after we released the record and we had the tours, and then we started. Um, we were opening for like Dick Dale and Imelda nice. May and we had like all these great things. And then we had some not so great things happen mm. <laughs> and they had some not so great things in life and stuff. And then I kind of took that time and I focused on my day job, which is I'm a designer and I wound up uh, working for Betsy Johnson for like um, doing her line for nice. four years. And that was amazing. Yeah. And that was like my dream job and like where I am in my dream stuff uh, for career stuff. And then one day, and all I was doing this, I had like this plan for the band. And I'm like, in order for me to accomplish this, I have to do like X, Y, and Z. So I gave myself basically a three-year plan for the band. And a lot of it involved just like, you know, um, getting healthy, paying off all my debt, um, saving up money, just, and then um, I, I was able to do all of that, getting my expenses down really low. <laughs> like, And um, I quit my day job um, last September so I could focus on Very music. Nice. And I just wanted to be like, you know, I'm not going to live my life having a what if, like, what if, what if I had like really made that record? So this right. year has been just me like, you know, this is it for screaming rebel angels. I want to give it this shot of knowing like, you know, I, I just, I did what I could do. 
I made a record that I wanted to make. I went on tours. I gave it a chance. Like I didn't like self-sabotage myself or have anything that was like a, like in my way, like obstacles mm-hmm. that were unnecessarily there. I'm like, let's see what happens. So when I'm like an old lady, I'm a rocker. was surrounded right. by like 80 chihuahuas. Yes. I can be like, okay, at least I tried. You know, well, I like the fact that you said that you didn't self-sabotage yourself because I found this to be so true with artists and, and mm-hmm. whether you're a musician, whether you're a filmmaker, what, no matter what they're doing, artists seem to have a tendency to purposely self-destruct and self-sabotage what it yes. is they're doing. And that is so frustrating because I wanted yeah. other people that are so talented and they're not doing anything because they put themselves right. in the situation where they're not. And then they want to complain that they're not doing anything. I, I, it's it's very <laughs> frustrating. but it, And it's not only you have to have the talent um, and the time. Because I that's the one thing that I realized, too. Time is our most valuable asset. It is. It you is. can't buy more time. Nope. Like, you know. Um, but what I also realized within time, it goes back to that, is just to have, like, the mental bandwidth mm-hmm. to be able to actually invest it. In, into your art, into your creativity, into whatever your goals are. Like, you know, <laughs> this was, I don't know, this was like a tweet that I heard a while ago and uh-huh. sometimes it, re- it resonated with me. And it was like, Beyonce only has 24 hours in her day too. <laughs> and you're like, wait, you're right. <laughs> so all these people that are doing it, they we all have the same hours in the day. Right. But it's just really having that mental bandwidth to just sit down and be like, this is what I want to accomplish and not wasting your time with like kind of the bullshit and just being like, this is this is my goal. This is how I'm going to achieve it. Here are these actionable steps that I am going to take to like make this record, go on this tour or do something. So like I feel like I'm giving myself a chance, you know, that's what you have to do. Yeah. Because I feel like, you know, and then you can look around too and you see some bands that are, you know, it's it's a mixture of hard work and talent. Like you have to, ha- and luck. It's right. like you have to have all three of them. But there's only, you know, there's only really two things that you can, you have any control over. And that's just, you know, being prepared, putting in the work and then, um, you know, and then building that talent. So I've spent like, the past year, not only writing, but I take I take lessons all the time. I take vocal lessons. I take bass lessons. Yeah. I take guitar lessons. I take violin lessons. You know, I'm like on the computer and um, I, I take classes all the time. I take classes in like video editing and audio editing. So I'm able to like, you know, do all of this stuff, making my own videos. You know, it's like, oh, all right. I learned Premiere Pro. Time to learn After Effects. Yeah. You know? No, I mean, that's, that's what you need to do. You need to be dedicated because... A lot yeah. Chris, and I've seen this in my life where you either lose friends or you lose relationships because you don't want to go out to the bar every night and just hang out. Now you're dedicated to your craft. Oh, yeah. And honing and fine-tuning that craft. Absolutely. Now you're working, it, making yourself better instead of wasting needless time at the bar getting drunk and shit-faced every night. While I, I, Yeah, I don't drink. So I like quit drinking three years ago. So I, <laughs> that's like one thing. It's like get your expenses down and have more time to right. quit drinking. You know? Yeah, I mean, the dedication, going back again, not that, you know, I, I was, but again, the fact that I was in bands in the past, and one of the memories that that always bothered me was that uh, this was back in the 90s, and the band was picking up, starting to go places. We were actually invited to New York. Um, I, you probably have heard of the festival. It was called the Curse of the Hearst Festival at the Pyramid Club. 
Oh, awesome. <laughs> yeah, we were supposed to play there back in the 90s. And I remember, again, going back to our drummer and, you know, we're like getting prepared for the show and we'd have practice and, you know, our drummer would cancel or he would show up and only play half ass. And we're like, what's wrong? He's Seriously. It's too yeah. hot. I'm too tired. And I'm like, you do realize like we're driving to New York to play the Pyramid Club. I, yeah. And it's That's- just like, where's your dedication at, man? That is like the number one lesson that I think I have learned probably. And that is a lesson that has been like the universe has hit me in the face with that one (laughs) so many times. And it has taken me years to finally realize like I, I need to only play with people that are also professionals and take it as seriously as I take it. Cause otherwise you have that element of self-sabotage or like, you know, you work really hard to get to a festival festival or something or a performance and a lot of stuff is like relying on it and you've built up like all of this just like this buzz around it and PR and all the like the magazines are there and like the DJs and then suddenly like the drummer's drunk (laughs) and stops playing the song in the middle and you're like what the fucking shit (laughs) yes see I thought you could relate I didn't bring it up to to about myself but to to use that is I because I kind of figured that you probably have faced the same thing oh my yeah you know, faced a lot of them. I think everybody does. I think everybody, it's also, people don't realize like how much of a business person you have to be to be in a band that yes. does any sort of kind of like, you know, it's it's really, <laughs> it's like, you know, maybe an hour of party every day and right. then everything else is like crazy, like work and driving and planning. Um, yeah, but you, you have to like, you know, you have to look at it like is music, just like is it a hobby is it just like kind of like your release like you're hanging out with friends or are you taking it serious is it like is it your job is it your career is it something like with inside of you that you have to do because if you don't do you're going to be a miserable fuck yes it's like i i need to do this yeah if <laughs> you're so, not creating you're miserable and then that's when you yeah true it's artist. like i don't feel good if i'm not creating so i need to like constantly be creating and I need to have a good foundation for like all these creations and it, it takes a lot of work and planning. That's why I'm, I'm just trying to do that this year and see what happens with the record and like the tours and everything else that I have planned on it. And I hope people like it. I mean, some people have heard like the new stuff and it's been incredible, like, you know, the response to mm-hmm. it. So I'm really, really excited. Yeah. I'm excited to hear it. Now we, you had mentioned earlier that you may release the, uh, the cover, the Little Richard cover in October. Mm-hmm. The album sounds like you don't really you you don't have an exact time frame, just sometime the first of 2019. Um, it's gonna be in January. Oh, it is in January. Okay. Yeah, it'll be in January. We're just holding it off until then. Right. Um, because then it was gonna be like around in December, and December is just kind of like a bummer month to like release anything. <laughs> right. Well, everybody's so, recovering from the Christmas blow as far as putting themselves in debt yeah. gifts. and There's so many other things. So I think we're going to release it in January. And then um, we're going to start touring. Um, we're going to start in New York and then head down South Carolina, North Carolina, uh, a little bit of the Southeast and through Texas and hit back up on um, the West Coast a bit. Um, we're playing the Lake Havasu Rockabilly Reunion um, and President's Day weekend. So that's in February. So we're just kind of filling in the dates in between that. <laughs> Very nice. And then you're off to Europe for, if I am correct on this, this will be your second trip for a European tour. Is that correct? Uh, third. Third. Okay, third. great. How excited well, are it, you to get back to Europe? Oh, I love it. It's going to be great. So um, I'm jumping on a plane. Like I have a show tonight and then I'm getting on a plane and we're going to L.A., 
for those shows. And then I'll be back for a day. Then we're going to the UK. And then we're back for a little bit longer. And then in November, we're touring uh, Europe again. Very nice. Now, what's the atmosphere like in Europe with the scene compared to here in the U.S.? It's it's wonderful. Um, when we when we play Europe, like the we've been there twice already. Um, we we're usually there during festival season, mm-hmm. so it's like you know you it's really it's really lucky because you go out there and every show that you play is like the festival that everybody's been looking forward to for about a year. Right. So like those are those are pretty awesome. So it gives like this sense of just like these people are lifers. Like yeah, you know it's. And they're so they're so nice. And the people, the first time that we uh, went to Europe was in 2013, and we still have like friends from that tour. People that check in with us online all the time. People that came out when we were because it was a a year ago uh, was the last time we were we were in there. Um, actually, we were probably uh, yeah last August to September we were there. Very nice. So, still checking in, and it's everybody's so sweet out there. They really um they uh really appreciate um, a lot of the bands traveling to go out there and we appreciate the fans and we absolutely adore adore all of them and thank them so much for like sticking with us and um, you know it's great lovely I have to ask have you had the opportunity to play a show yet with Bosmore I'm a huge Polecats fan oh well funny you should ask we played um, <laughs> National Boogie and we played the day before them so I was able to like you know, uh, just like watch that set like upstage, you know, touching yeah. the stage. Um, but next, um, we are going to be playing with the Polecats at um, Bedlam Breakout oh. on September 15th in Northampton, UK. Fantastic. Yeah. So we'll be playing with them shortly. Oh, that's great. I would love to see that show. I had a chance to interview Boz many years back and he was so sweet and kind. I love the Polecats. I like his work with Morrissey. So I was curious as to see if you had ever played. So that's that's fantastic. Yeah. And he is, um, him and his wife are good friends with one of my friends. And I remember we were at the, when we were at the boogie or we walking by and I saw my friend, I was like, hey, what's up? I have to go to the thing. And then it's like, it's Boz and Lynn sitting right yeah. there. It's like, oh, um, hi. Oh, <laughs> that's I got to get Boz back on the new show now. So that's I was like, good. yeah. And then I see him. I like get all shy. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, hi. I'm that's awesome. Nice to meet you. It's like, so what do you play? I'm like, oh, I don't know stuff. <laughs> You turn into the worst. super, yeah, super shy fan. I'm terrible. I'm terrible. I'm the worst promoter. <laughs> uh, well, Laura, that brings us to the end of the interview. Is there anything else that you would like to say to our listeners before we conclude today's show? Just want to say thank you so much for tuning in. And I hope you guys come and visit us online at uh, com. Find us on Facebook or Instagram or anything. And then pick up our new record and stuff. Or And also, I wanted to say it's so important, our kind of music, is to just support the other bands. And great ways to support that is really just liking things on Facebook, streaming them on Spotify, you know, telling your friends about it. It doesn't cost you anything, and it means the world to us, like, independent artists. Thank Most you. certainly, that is the truth. <laughs> and you can count on the Screwed, Blued, and Tattooed radio show to push you guys and help promote any way that we can. Uh, once again... I thank you, Laura, and our listeners, if you get a chance, be sure to catch their always lively and energetic show. Uh, They'll be playing venues near you, and Get Yourself Saved, which is the next track that we are going to carry us out with. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you, Laura. Ladies and gentlemen, here is Saved. 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 I used to smoke. smoke.
Johnny Daggers, the Screwed, Blued, and Tattooed Radio Show. 